Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, as we read the verses 1 through 11. Let us hear the Word of God. After two days it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But, they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the preaching of his word to our hearts. Dear friends, one of the most painful experiences we can have in this life is to be betrayed by a friend. A friend is someone we confide in, someone we trust. But when that trust is broken, it causes pain. We feel shocked let down, and hurt. In most cases, we never get over it. Well, Jesus knew what it was like to be betrayed by a friend. He himself was betrayed by one of the twelve, Judas Iscariot. We read of that in the words of our text today, Mark 14, the verses 10 and 11. And there, Mark writes these words. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Judas, one of our Lord's own disciples, sought to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. What a contrast we have here to the love that Mary had shown Jesus in the previous verses. From the height of love, we now descend into the pit of hate. From the ultimate act of loyalty, we are now confronted with the ultimate act of betrayal. And as such, it is part of the suffering that our Lord had to endure as he he made his way to the cross of Calvary. Well, with this in mind, to the help of the Lord, let us reflect for a few moments on the words of our text under this theme, The Betrayal of Jesus. And we'll consider, first of all, the shocking agent of this betrayal, 
Secondly, the paltry price of this betrayal. And thirdly, the disturbing outcome of this betrayal. It was late at night. A man was walking in the streets of Jerusalem. He seemed rather nervous. He looked behind him this way and that to see if anyone was following him. Who was this man? Well, it was Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was on his way to the chief priests in order to betray him. Earlier that night, the religious leaders of the Jews convened in the house of Caiaphas the high priest to decide on what to do about Jesus. They all agreed that Jesus had to be put to death. The question was, when? They didn't want to do it now, because it was the time of the Passover. Jerusalem was filled with pilgrims from all over the Roman Empire, many of whom had heard of Jesus and respected him greatly. The next day, in fact, they would welcome him into the city, waving palm branches in the air and throwing down their coats before him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If they put Jesus to death now, they might provoke a riot, and that's the last thing they wanted. And so they decided to wait until after the feast was over and everyone had gone home. Now, whether Judas Iscariot knew about this meeting or not, we do not know. One thing is clear. He knew that the religious leaders of the Jews wanted Jesus dead. He also knew that the chief priests were behind it. And so, hoping to capitalize on the opportunity, Judas made his way to the chief priests in order to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. And this, of course, raises the question, why did Judas want to betray Jesus? Well, we can't say for sure. The Bible doesn't say in so many words. Some say that Judas was upset about the fact that Jesus had rebuked him for reprimanding Mary the day before. You may recall that Jesus and the disciples were in the home of Simon the leper in Bethany. While they were there, Mary came to Jesus with an alabaster flask of very costly perfume, which he poured over the head of the Lord Jesus. You may remember, too, how the disciples were aghast. What a waste, they said. This perfume might have been sold and the money given to the poor. And according to John's gospel, Judas was especially vehement. In fact, he was the one who voiced the outrage of the disciples. And that not, as John tells us, not because he had a concern for the poor, but because he was the treasurer, and he regularly pilfered money that had been given to support Jesus and the disciples. And when Jesus heard about this, Jesus said, Let her alone, why trouble ye her? She hath done a good work for me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. And so it's possible that Judas was so upset by Jesus' reaction and his public reprimand that he decided then and there to betray him. But it's more likely that Judas had simply become disillusioned with Jesus, in particular with his mission. Like so many of his contemporaries, Judas believed that the promised Messiah would be someone who would deliver Israel from Roman occupation and establish an earthly kingdom. But Jesus indicated he was not going to do that. On on more than one occasion, he indicated that his kingdom was not of this world. He also spoke repeatedly of his impending death. In fact, only a few hours before the events of our text take place, 
Jesus told his disciples that he had only two more days to live. Needless to say, this is not at all what Judas expected or what he wanted. He wanted Jesus to establish an earthly kingdom and to give him an important post in that kingdom. And when that appeared unlikely, Judas became more and more disillusioned. He had devoted three years of his life to following Jesus, and he had nothing to show for it. And that made him angry and resentful towards our Lord, and eventually he even came to hate him. Whatever the case, Judas resolved to betray the Lord Jesus. What makes this even more shocking is that Judas was one of the twelve. Mark even draws draws attention to this in our text. He writes, then Judas, one of the twelve. Now the Lord Jesus had many disciples, but among these was a specially selected group known as the twelve. These twelve men were part of our Lord's inner circle. They were the ones being trained by our Lord to carry on with the work of building his church. And as such, they accompanied him wherever they went, wherever he went. They walked with him, they talked with him, they ate with him, they lodged with him, they heard his teaching, they witnessed his miracles, they were privy to his innermost secrets, they had more direct access to Christ than anyone else. And that includes Judas. Judas was one of the twelve. And what's even more, as we have seen, he held a very prominent position among these men. He was the treasurer. That means he was greatly trusted. In fact, if you had asked the disciples which of them would betray the Lord Jesus, Judas would have been mentioned the very last. And yet this was the man to betray Jesus. Friends, we learn here that close proximity to Jesus is no sign that we are one of his true disciples. Just look at Judas as a case in point. If there ever was a man who was close to Jesus, it was Judas. He traveled with him and up and down the land of Palestine for three years. He conversed with him. He heard his teaching. He witnessed his miracles. And yet, he was not a true disciple. And that same thing can happen still today. We may enjoy many blessings and privileges. We may have the word of God. We may be members of a sound, faithful church. We may be baptized and attend the Lord's Supper and yet not be a true disciple of Christ. Jesus speaks of this in Matthew chapter 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He speaks there of those who will stand before him on the day of judgment And they will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? But he will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And they will be cast into everlasting condemnation in hell. My friend, the same can happen to you if you are not a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you say, well, how can I tell? What distinguishes a true disciple of Christ from a false disciple? Well, in a word, it is faith and holiness. A true disciple of Christ looks to Christ as the only hope and ground of his salvation. A false disciple does not. 
A true disciple of Christ strives to live in the fear of the Lord and to walk in accordance with his commandments. A false disciple does not. And so I ask you, are you a true or a false disciple of Christ? Oh, must we not admit that there is a false disciple inside each one of us? After all, none of us loves the Lord perfectly. None of us walks in his ways perfectly. We're all hypocrites to one extent or another. We have all betrayed the Lord Jesus to one extent or another. You say, how? Well, every time we sin, every time we choose to follow the world instead of Christ, every time we fail to take the opportunity to witness about him to others, we betray him. We betray him all the time. But someone here may be altogether a false disciple of Christ. You may be listening to this sermon. You may be thought of as a true Christian. And to that end, you do everything that a Christian is supposed to do. But your heart isn't in it. You're just going through the motions. My friend, listen, you may fool many people, but you cannot fool Jesus. He knows all things, also what lives in your heart. He sees your hypocrisy. And he comes to you also in this message and he urges you to repent before it is too late and you perish in your sins. Judas was the agent of our Lord's betrayal. But he did not do this for nothing. He demanded a price. And that brings us to our second point. At long last, Judas arrived at the temple. The chief priests were still at work perhaps preparing for the Passover feast, which was to take place a few days later. And without wasting any time, Judas offered to betray Jesus to them. Now, needless to say, the chief priests were delighted. Both Mark and Luke say they were glad, and no wonder. They never expected a disciple of Jesus would offer to betray him. This was almost too good to be true. But Judas would not do this for nothing. He wanted money. And he knew the chief priests were ready and willing to pay. And so according to Matthew's gospel, Judas asked the chief priests what they were willing to give him if he delivered Jesus to them. What are you willing to give me, he said, if I deliver him to you? How pathetic. To think that any price could be put on the head of the only begotten Son of God. But this only goes to show how little Judas thought of Jesus and how hardened his heart had become. To Judas, everything had a price, including a man's life. And he wanted to know how much they were willing to pay. The chief priests thought for a moment. Perhaps they consulted together. And then they named their price 30 pieces of silver. Now this price, we may believe, was not accidental. According to Exodus 21, verse 32, 30 pieces of silver was the price that one had to pay for a slave who was accidentally gored by an ox. Now, although it's impossible to convert that amount in today's currency, suffice it to say it was a paltry amount, probably 
no more than 10 or $20. Most likely the chief priests proposed this amount as a kind of a cruel joke. It's as though they were saying to Judas, sure we'll pay you for Jesus, but we'll only pay you what we think he's worth. We'll only pay you the price of a slave gored by an ox. And Judas agreed. What a humiliation. Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners, was betrayed for the same amount as one would normally pay for a dead slave. Well, my friends, what is Jesus worth to you? To most people today, he's worth nothing. They live as though he did not even exist. They live for themselves and the things of this world without giving a moment's thought to the needs of their soul and to eternity to come. They even use his name as a common curse word. To others, he's worth something, but certainly not everything. And sadly, that is probably true for the vast majority of professing Christians today. Most professing Christians today do indeed value Jesus. And that's because they need him. They need him to save him from their sins. But they do not value him more than anything. They do not value him more than their money or their time or their business or their possessions. Oh yes, they're willing to go to church, read their Bible, pray and support the church and other Christian causes financially, but they will not do anything more than that. They value Jesus, yes, but only to a point. And then there are others who have come to value him more than anything else in the entire world. And it shows in their life. They love to come to church, to hear the word of God, to fellowship with his people. They give sacrificially to support the work of the church and the cause of Christ, both here at home and around the world. They strive with every fiber of their being to put sin to death and to walk in the ways of the Lord and to live to his glory in all things. They're more than happy to donate their time and their talents and their energy to some work relating to the kingdom of God. They're even willing to suffer for his sake. Why? Because they know that apart from Christ, there would be no hope for them at all. They would surely perish in the flames of hell. And everything they have and everything that they are belongs to him. They owe him their very life. Well, which of these is true for you? Do you value Christ more than anything? Judas betrayed Jesus for a price. What happened next? That brings us to our third and final point. Judas left the temple quite satisfied. He got what he wanted. He had his 30 pieces of silver. All he had to do now was to wait for the right moment to put his plan into action. And a few days later, the perfect opportunity arose. 
Jesus and the disciples were in the upper room celebrating the Passover feast. At one point during the feast, Jesus, knowing that soon he would have to die, knowing too that Judas would betray him, after dipping a piece of bread, instructed Judas to go and do what he had to do. And according to John's gospel, no one knew why Jesus said this. They assumed that since Judas collected and dispersed the funds, that Jesus was instructing him to buy those things that they had need of for the feast, or to give something to the poor. Whatever the case, Judas quietly slipped out and made his way to the chief priests. The chief priests lost no time. They assembled a large mob, including members of the temple guard and several Roman soldiers. They hurried down the streets of Jerusalem until they came to one of the gates of the city. They proceeded outside of this gate. They crossed over the brook Kidron, and led by Judas, they made their way up the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane, where the Lord Jesus was at that moment pouring out his heart to his father. Now how Judas knew that Jesus would be in the Garden of Gethsemane, we don't know. Perhaps before or during the celebration of the Passover, Jesus informed his disciples that this is where they would spend the night. It's also possible that Judas took a lucky guess. After all, this is where Jesus usually went when he was in Jerusalem. Whatever the case, Jesus knew Judas rather knew he would be there, and he was right. Within a few minutes, he led the soldiers right to the very place where Jesus was. Now what happened next is well known. Before arriving at the place where Jesus was, Judas informed the soldiers that he would kiss the man whom they were to arrest. And that's what he did. Approaching Jesus, Judas kissed him. And immediately the soldiers seized him and brought him bound to Jerusalem. And there he was falsely accused and condemned to death. First by the Jewish Sanhedrin and then by the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. And at long last the evil deed was done. But the story does not end there. For upon hearing that Jesus had been condemned to death, Judas' conscience, or what little he had, was pricked. He realized that he had betrayed an innocent man, and that therefore his blood was on his hands. And so hoping to make atonement for his sin, he went back to the chief priests to tell them that he had made a mistake. Matthew, in his gospel, records the actual words that he spoke. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood, he said. But the chief priests were unsympathetic. What is that to us, they said, you see to it. And upon hearing this, Matthew tells us that Judas threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Luke in Acts 1, verse 18 and 19 adds another detail which only serves to highlight the horror of the scene. He reveals that after Judas hanged himself, his body came loose from the tree, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, 
and all his entrails gushed out. And then in verse 19, he adds this comment, And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that the field is called in their own language, Akeldama, that is to say, field of blood. What a sad story. Judas, one of the twelve, a close friend and acquaintance of the Lord Jesus, a man who enjoyed incredible privileges, who sat at Jesus' feet, who heard him speak, who witnessed his miracles, was so utterly smitten by guilt that he went and hanged himself. And now he is in hell, and there he will remain to all eternity. We see here the truth of Jesus' statement later in this chapter In Mark 14, verse 21, when he said, The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. And how true that is. For in light of the torment which Judas is now experiencing in hell, it would have been better indeed if he had never been born. My friend, the same is true for you if you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no more heinous sin in the eyes of God than to have been exposed to the truth of God's word and yet to have rejected it. To have been invited by the Savior himself to come to him and yet to have rejected his invitation. Such people, the Bible says, will suffer far greater torment in hell than those who have never heard. And then you will realize that it would have been better if you had never been born. Oh, but my friend, today is still the day of grace. Although you, like Judas, may have betrayed him, he will never betray you. All those who believe on his name, he promises he will save and bestow on them the gift of everlasting life. You say, how do I know that? Well, because you remember when Judas came with that band of soldiers to arrest the Lord Jesus, he kissed him as a sign to the soldiers whom they were to arrest. And after he did so, Jesus, with love in his heart, said to him, Friend, why have you come? Oh, yes, Jesus knew why Judas had come. He knew that he had betrayed him. And yet, he called him friend. It was as though Jesus was assuring Judas that although he had betrayed him, Jesus was still willing to forgive him. But Judas was not willing to be forgiven. By this time, his heart had become so cold towards the Lord Jesus, and he had become so ensnared by Satan that nothing that Jesus said or did would make any difference. Judas wanted only one thing, and that was to see Jesus dead. And yet Jesus reached out to him in love. My friend, he is still the same today. No matter how many times we may have betrayed him, the Savior is able and willing to forgive. And this is why he came. This is why he suffered. This is why he went to the cross. So that sinners like you and me can be saved. Amen. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you were blessed by the message you have heard today, or if you were blessed by previous messages on this program, please take a moment and let us know. 
Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, and that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Please remember to include the call letters of this station. If you'd like to listen to the message you have just heard again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website at Banner of Truth Radio. That's all one word, banneroftruthradio.com. If you would like more information about the Free Reformed Churches of North America, which sponsors this broadcast, please log on to our denominational website at www.frcna.org. And now, until next week, may the Lord be with you all.